Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Charlie Kirk Show. So honored to sit down with a dear friend, a mentor of mine, and the person who wrote the first check ever to get Turning Point USA off the ground, a $10,000 check. I want to take you back in time. Eight years ago, I was in the stairwell at the Republican National Convention. I had no money, no connections, and no idea what I was doing. I had almost bargained my way into the Republican National Convention where I basically used somebody else's pass to get onto the grounds of the Republican National Convention. I thought we could buy tickets to go into the convention. I was sorely mistaken. I looked for the StubHub link to get into the convention, and I ended up not being able to find any tickets. I thought there would be scalpers, and there wasn't. It was just a couple days before there was a hurricane in Tampa, Florida. I was staying in Bradenton an hour and a half away. Things were not trending nicely. But I was in a stairwell, and I saw a guy with a cowboy hat, a a million-dollar smile, and an amazing heart. And I recognized him from a conference that I was at previously. I went up to him. I said, Mr. Freeze, my name is Charlie Kirk, and I have an idea called Turning Point USA, and I think it can change the country and save our generation. Instead of the response that most people gave, he said, Charlie, tell me more. I like you. And then he told me a joke, and then another joke, and then another joke. And then he wrote me a $10,000 check. Turning Point USA now, of course, is on 2,000 high school and college campuses across the country, reaching tens of millions of people every single day, empowering voices like Benny Johnson, Candace Owens, Graham Allen, Alex Clark, so many others, all because of a single guy that wrote a check for $10,000 in a sterile at the Republican National Convention eight years ago. We have an exclusive conversation with him right now. He has an amazing effort called One Bill, One Subject. I want you to get behind it at fosterfreeze.com. You can email me your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Foster Freeze is a hero for freedom, for our country, for conservative values. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Enjoy. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Charlie Kirk Show. I am honored and thrilled to be joined by a dear friend of mine, someone who's changed my life. And if you guys have been impacted by Turning Point USA, he's changed your life as well. Foster Freeze. I met Foster Freeze in a stairwell at the Republican National Convention in Tampa, Florida in 2012. I gave him the stairwell pitch instead of the elevator pitch. He wrote us our first check at Turning Point USA. And here we are eight years later. And Foster, you've been unbelievably generous throughout this process. 
And this is really thanks to you and Lynn uh, for believing in this vision. So we're honored to have you on the show today. Well, I'm just delighted, Charlie. We can't believe how you exploded into the success. I mean, it was when Donald Trump Jr. found you. Remember how hard time we had convincing uh, Reince Primus to get you to speak at the convention? And that was all you that that did it. it, Well, I know, but we we finally got you in. But it was before it was convened. And you spoke three months, three minutes uh, on on, uh, Sunday before it convened. And you got a standing. I mean, like people went crazy. Well, you you saw something in me, Foster, in this effort really early on, and it's uh, it's been an amazing blessing. And I've learned a lot from Foster, um, timeless wisdom, and it's yeah. just amazing. But we're here today, Foster, because I've been so moved by an effort that you are pushing, something mm-hmm. that our country needs. Uh, I have been an outspoken critic of some of these big legislative bills, not because all of it's bad, but because I think the bad is just something that it shouldn't be supported. I'm talking about the funding for yeah. the humanities, the Kennedy Center. But Foster, you're pushing an effort that I want all of our listeners to get behind, which is called One Bill, One Subject. Can you introduce this to our listeners? Yes. And uh, Andy Biggs, the congressman from Arizona, when he introduced it in the House as uh, House Resolution 6635, added One Bill, One Subject Transparency Act. So that's the official name. And it's a pattern after a bill that Rand Paul pushed in a prior Congress uh, uh, and uh, had Mia Love do it from from the House. So what it will do is 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 make sure that we vote first for respirators. And then once we get that done, then let's vote for the Kennedy Center so people can really decide what they really want. Because even our Republican guys say, well, you know, I voted for the the ventilators, yeah. and they don't tell you all the bad stuff that went along. And so they kind of, Democrats and Republicans wind up scratching each other's back, and we as the citizens get stuck with a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, and so this is so important, Foster, because the way that Congress has operated is they put something in a massive bill that has critical components, funding for veterans, the needy, the, the poor, the working yeah, yeah. poor, things that you and I support. But then they'll put a bunch of garbage in it, that they know will have to go along with because they put it into what's called an omnibus bill. This is perfectly consistent with what we talk about a lot, which is we need systemic reform in Washington, D.C. So can you talk about how this would actually functionally work as far as you would actually then have maybe 1,000 votes or 2,000 votes instead of just one big vote around a massive stack of papers where everyone have a different opinion around it? That's a good point, because when you come to appropriations, it's going to be a lot more difficult to yes, do that. Yeah. So so some of those appropriation bills will just have to swallow that, okay, the defense authorization bill, they had a contract for aircraft in a certain district, which nobody wanted, but yeah. it, that stuck. But it'll do so much to allow we as citizens to see what's what's in that bill. And, yes. and so... Uh, th- Everything we try to do is not a perfect solution. Like we have transparency in healthcare pricing. Well, that's not going to solve everything, but it's the beginning. So I think if we could just, as citizens, see this, we'd get more engaged. Right now, we as citizens, we're not going to read an 1,800-page bill. But if we could see more discrete decisions being made, we can weigh in on that. 
And so uh, during the uh, uh, campaign for governor in Wyoming in 2018, I was emotionally struck when I had a picture of, a, of an event afterwards. I had a white, white shirt on, and surround me were eight guys that had just been welding all day. Yeah. And they were sooty and filthy and dirty. And I said, these are the guys we've got to cheer for. They're, things are happening to them. They have no clues happening by how the politicians, the political elite, spend their money like it's monopoly. That's exactly right. And so suddenly, uh, now I don't have contact with them, and I don't do a survey, so I'm... I'm just kind of supposing they don't want to spend $25 million for the Kennedy Center when we haven't spent enough money for some of the other important issues. So I believe that this one bill, uh, one subject will engage uh, our, our, our whole political process. And part of that, we're also on a campaign to simplify the language. Instead yes. of saying unmasking, yeah. well, why don't we just say revealing people's names? That's a, you know, it's so funny you say that, Foster. I want you to finish that point, but if I could interject quickly, I didn't really understand what unmasking was until recently Kaylee McEnany walked me through it. I kind of understood, yeah. but it's this language that creates a disconnect between the informed yes. ruling class and the working people. Yes, yes. Well, we had a mutual fund, uh, and it was the number one fund in America, independent of the performance because of how we articulate certain things. And I always wrote it so my mom, who dropped out of eighth grade to pick cotton and save the family farm so she could understand it. So I never say this is a, a leading company in prosthetics. I say replacement arms and legs. Leading company in home infusion. No, it's a leading company that gives uh, uh, drugs given to people who are in their homes and can't get out. And so even using acronyms, it, your young guys, your millennials, should never, ever use an acronym. Yes. So instead of saying DOJ, why can't they say Department of Justice? It's, and it's then you can use the acronym after you say yeah, exactly, it. Exactly. As long as you explain it. But, but there's all kinds of things that, that they'll talk about. Exculpatory information. Mom Freeze ain't going to know what exculpatory information is. But they will know information that would lead to his innocence. Yes, or information is favorable. Yes. And, and, and so... Part of what we're trying to do is connect the welder guys to their congressmen so they can get engaged and see what's being passed by language that is understandable by them. Yeah, so everyone listening to this right now can go to fosterfreeze.com. That's Foster Freeze with two S's. You got a thing of fries, add an S. Yeah, that's a good one. You just picture a bottle of Foster's beer. This is the first thing you ever told me when I, I asked what your <laughs> name was, by the way. Well, it's always when you want to remember people's names, the more you can create a, a, a visual image, the better. I never so, will forget those. Yeah, so picture a bottle of Foster's beer sitting next to a plate of french fries you can see that you'll never forget that image and then just add an s that's right dot so, com yeah so my last name is f-r-i-e-s-s -S. and so you guys go there you can sign the petition get involved with one bill one subject so foster what do you think the likelihood of this passing it passing is and have you seen any opposition oh the opposition is is enormous and that's why you're going to be a key part of this because it can it can really get uh, passed if we get the public behind it. Yes, and that's what's exciting because the public has been pretty apathetical. They have no idea what's happening to them in all these bills. So the the resistance will come also from our Republican pals. Yeah. So talk, can you talk about why anyone could possibly resist this? Well, the, because they love the opportunity to put their their Chrome special. Favors, yeah. Right? Okay. So hey, if I can get a new Veterans Administration Hospital in my district, I'll put it on this bill. It has to pass. And my Democrat pals aren't going to oppose yeah. it because we put a put a put a VA hospital in their district, 
And so here's an opportunity to reconnect once and you know, and it's not going to be easy, but the resistance can be overcome if you and 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 we have uh, so many other people. I, I, I can't mention all the names that are lined up behind it, but uh, Mark Meckler at Convention great, States, yeah. one point nine million people uh, following him. And so I believe uh, if people also recognize there's 41 states, Charlie, and uh, Switzerland, uh, Australia, and Ireland that have this one so bill, one can subject. Can you talk about that, Foster? So this is not a unprecedented effort. Heavens no, so no. So can you talk about how other states have actually seen yes. success through this? Yes, and, and I think you can go state by state, and sometimes it doesn't always apply to actual legislation. Sometimes it applies to initiatives. But... Uh, if if 41 states can pull this off, I, I think we can do it in the U.S. Congress. And I think what enable it is all these people rallying behind it. Jim DeMint's behind it. Uh, the the Freedom Caucus is behind it. Is represented by Andy Biggs, who's the leader of it. And and uh, Rand Paul has a huge following. So. Uh, the opportunity to get it done is, is going to be enormous. But everyone has to act on it, and that's fosterfreeze.com. We'll put up a link on our website, on charliekirk.com, on The Charlie Kirk Show. The last few months have taught us what's important in life. It's also taught us what we need to eliminate or change. It's the same for business. What are changes you need to make? Do you have a hairball of multiple software systems? I know I once did. And something fixed that. It's called NetSuite. NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system, finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need all in one place. So you save time, money, and headaches. When I use NetSuite, it changed the entire way I use software systems. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite gives you the visibility and control so you can manage every penny with precision. Join 20,000 other companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assemble the playbook of top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. Receive your free guide, Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Now, and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash kirk. Get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash kirk. netsuite.com slash kirk. And, Foster, the reason I'm passionate about this is I grow very cynical about the political systems that we have. Mm -hmm. And I try not to. I'm not cynical about the country, but... When I look at the kingdom of Washington, D.C., or the yeah, wise men yeah. of Washington, you see all the garbage and the pork and the favoritism that is yeah. into these bills. This would, in a lot of ways, make them go on record to support those things. Yeah, because nobody knows they voted for the junk as well. I'm voted. Oh, I voted for veterans or for unemployment yeah, benefits. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay, I'll give them a pass. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, there's something that's been out there since 1966, and that's the Cloward-Piven plan. Can you talk about that? Yeah, Cl yeah. yeah Cloward-Piven were two socialists from Columbia who had the notion if we can overwhelm the welfare system mm -hmm. and bankrupt it, people will then be more open to have a guaranteed annual income. And sure enough, a couple of days ago, I heard one of the TV pundits talk about a guaranteed annual income. Wow. And the whole notion is, uh, in fact, John Adams, I believe, said you can take down a country with bayonets or with debt. I think it was him yeah, said something sure, like that. Sure. He and, and Thomas Jefferson said, "Debt is slavery of the free." Yeah, and 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 Jefferson, I believe, also said, "The end of democracy is not long uh, in front of us once people realize they can vote themselves benefits out of the Amen. public treasury." Yes. So this is what we can now confront, and your generation is going to pay a huge price for the spending taking place right now. All these trillions of dollars that are going in to support the economy, they can't compare to what the actual dollars spent 
if we let yes. restaurants open up and barbershops. Yeah. And it's so critical that we get the uh, economy functioning well, so again. At Turning Point USA, we are going to be printing signs. We're going to do an advocacy on campus if we ever get back to school, Foster. Just one bill, one subject. And I can yeah. tell you that even a lot of liberals should agree to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, and the citizens, in fact, I can't find uh, a, a Democrat that's that I've met that so far is opposed to all my Democratic friends are in favor of this. All five of them. Yes. Well, you have that many. It's, it's, that's, I, I give them a pass. That's five more than I have. So, so Foster, uh, I would like to also speak about something that you've inspired me to be better at and hopefully continue, which is civility. When you ran for governor, you ran on three things. Yeah, I don't even remember the other well, two. Well, it was uh, a freedom, prosperity, and kindness. And okay, it, every, I remember it as civility. Yeah, but. and every time I mentioned kindness, the whole audience would be bobbing their heads. People are so fed up with this nastiness. Yes, that spews out from the kingdom of D.C. out to on us in the colonies. Yeah, that's that's what it is. And, yes, and and we can curb that just by remember the old the great biblical verse: "Never return evil for evil." Mm. And, and, and always consider other people more important yourself and all things be grateful. If you look at all the scripture teachings that Jesus had, they all work pretty darn effectively in yes. terms of human relationships. And, and part of what he taught me that helped me succeed in business was looking at people not so much of where they've been or even where they're at, but what they can become. Mm. I mean, when you were 18 years old in that well, <laughs> you, 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 you could see me. The minute I met you, I said, this guy's got talent. He's He's on his way. <laughs> well, that that was very kind, and you saw something that uh, a lot of people a lot of people didn't. And so, Foster, you zeroed in on the kindness issue and the restoration of civility. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm. Uh, you could correct me here, but you've invited some top Democrats to sit down and have yeah, yeah. coffee, right? Yeah. And actually, reach out to others. Well, I think one of the most amazing uh, videos is on my website, and it's. Uh, Donna Redwing is the head of the gay lesbian organization Iowa. She write, she invites Bob Vanderplatz, uh, who is Mr. Evangelical. Yeah, he endorsed and, Ted Cruz. Oh, he's the one. Yeah. Well, he anointed Huckabee. Then he anointed uh, Santorum. Then he anointed Cruz. Every time he says anything, most the evangelical pastors in the community rally around him. So they, uh, she invited him to lunch, and they became dear friends. And neither one changed her position on gay marriage or homosexuality, but uh, she said, don't call these uh, people, uh, Christians, bigots anymore. And he said, every time I looked at a sermon, I said, well, how would Linda react to this? So that's something that, that I think if we work hard and, and play out what Scripture tells us to do is to be kind to people. During the campaign, I told my entire staff, you you you." Never say anything negative about any of the other candidates. In fact, don't say anything at all. Just tell what we're about, what we're trying to do, and pretty soon they'll figure out that I'm taller than Harriet Hageman, and sure. they'll know for sure. Yeah, and so, so Foster, you've, you've brought this into your personal life. There's a couple other of these initiatives I want to focus on, which is healthcare transparency, which is another yeah. big one, yeah. and also the whole kind of healthcare industry. But before I get into that, Foster, can you take a step back and walk our audience through the business that you built? Because <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's incredible. It's yeah. not the everyday story where you grew up in Wisconsin. We profiled this at Turning Point USA in an Only in America story. <laughs> you grew up in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, right? Yeah, you were yeah. the captain of your track team. You were Eagle Scout, first in your class, all yeah. of that. 
but as you say, it was easy when it was a class of <laughs> yeah, I, it, you know, you I'm could, screwing it up. See, no, 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 no. You said it perfectly. Captain basketball team, track team, golf team, baseball team, valedictorian, president class. All the things that are only possible when you have 16 kids that's in your class. <laughs> we actually had 163, but that's not quite as funny. And, and so then you went and event, you got to starting in finance, and you started one of the best-performing mutual funds in the history uh, called the Brandwine Fund. Well, it was amazing. I sold my company 17 years ago, and in the, right in the middle of the campaign, Forbes magazine comes out and says that I, along with uh, Peter Lynch, uh, John Templeton, Warren Buffett, were among the top 10 most outstanding man managers of this generation, and it just flabbergasted me. But it was quite remarkable coming from the humble background. My dad had a high school education, was a cattle dealer, went door-to-door -door buying and selling cattle from the farmers, and I said my mom uh, dropped out of school in eighth grade. And so when Lynn and I came out of the Army, we had $800 of accumulative pay, a baby, a 62 Volkswagen, and a height of bed and animal TV and that was it and 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 we never advertised and we never had anyone selling our fund and lo and behold I wake up one day and we're managing 15 billion dollars and and that generated uh, uh, 150 million dollars with 30 million in expenses so Lynn and I were making pre-tax 10 million a month wow. from, from 800 dollars and and our strategy what was quite different than our competition. We spent a lot of time visiting the companies, talking to the chief executive officer, and then talking to the chief financial officer. You notice I didn't say CEO and CFO. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then we go visit a customer and a supplier. And uh, by gathering this information, we were way ahead of most of the other people in terms of the fundamental analysis. Wow. And, and knowing how they were cooking the books. They could take accounting errors to inflate the earnings. So we were kind of early uh, forensic accountants in a way. Sure. So you, you were trusted to manage money, and you would actually go and visit these companies yeah. physically, not just look at balance sheets and all of that. Well, a lot of our competitors, they've managed billions of dollars, two, three guys. They didn't have a staff at all, and they just call up uh, Goldman Sachs and Merrill Lynch and say, what do you like in retail? That's right. And yeah. they, they buy it. So that's why we got uh, a significant advantage. And also, we looked at lesser-known companies that are selling a reasonable price earnings ratio, and we're constantly trying to find companies that are going to do better than people expect and get out of the way of companies that are going to disappoint. And that was kind of the key theme. So, we also had a fun thing about pigs on a trough. I grew up in farming country, and there'd be 15 pigs in a trough. Across the barnyard comes the 16th, fights his way out of there, pushes one off. So if we bought 20 stocks for you, when we found the 21st, we forced ourselves to sell the 20th least desirable. Wow. Even though it still had 30% to grow, but the other new one had 60%. And, and because of that, it kept it gave you more cash also to be able to reinvest. In well, we're 20. constantly, yeah, kept going. So you also foster, have what I call kind of fosterisms. <laughs> so um, you always had a driver. Yeah, yeah. You had a very specific way of teaching your staff um, to write memos, yeah. not to pick up the phone. Can you talk about a little bit? Well, well, these are business efficiency practices oh, it, that it, are not it, talked about. No, I mean, nobody believed. Uh, one of my uh, things was I told all of my team, I don't want you to talk to each other. That's a real paradigm shift. So we avoided meetings. I avoid uh, getting on the telephone and avoid going into stores. So uh, what that means is, and each one of you can do this experiment, take a page out of some magazine, Business Week, with no photos, and read it to yourself. It'll take you probably a minute and 40 seconds. Then read it out loud. It'll take you three minutes. 
So imagine processing information at a minute 40 wow. versus three minutes. And then you extrapolate 20, that over a year. Over, over years with 70 people. And then the way we dealt with that and is, is we then got the people in a room to do that. And then we gave them a piece of paper and pencil to write out this article. After writing two lines, it'd take them forever. So the axiom that drove our, our, our productivity was the eyes are faster than the ears. You can read something faster than you can listen to it. But the tongue is faster than the pen. You can say something faster than you can write it. So we, we dealt with that chasm by hiring transcribers. So all we had to do, we were out cross-country hiking or, or skiing, and we pull our phone and says, you know, this is to, uh, to Bill Delonzo. Can, can you look into United Widget? Because I just heard that they come up with some new developments. They closed some closing plants, and I think it could be a good buy. And put it back in my pocket, and it's done. It can go to my whole research team. Yes. So we use these transcribers, and, and uh, it allowed them my team never to be interrupted by any of the other people. They worked all day long uninterrupted without their fingers on the keyboard if they so chose. Wow. But the other thing that uh, spurred our productivity and our six was everybody uh, was encouraged to keep every single priority they had on a three by five card. And I had a yellow card for business, a blue card for uh, personal. I so, love this. Yeah, so get, get a haircut, uh, uh, get someone to cut the grass, uh, get the oil change in the car. And then on business, I would say, you know, open a new office in Jackson, recarpet the, uh, the, the, the conference sure. room. So those three by five cards would have a date when I entered it and then a target date when I'd hope to finish it. And every Monday morning, I would go through those cards, pick the ones that I wanted to work with that week, put the others in the drawer, and then, here's important, arrange them in according to priorities. Wow. Always work on the top card. To this day, I violate that because I'll get on the plane and I'll go through my briefcase. I see if I can clean out my briefcase and all this junk. And I feel so good because I've got a real lean briefcase, but there's a couple of key projects that should have been worked on. So would you not move to the second card till the first one was complete? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you really? always always work on the first card. Until it's gone. So when you were done, you would shred it or just throw it away? Or... Right, exactly. So Which it's is... physically gone. It's yes, dismissed, right? Right. right. Now, you... now, I tell you, Charlie, I have to admit, one time a friend said, hey, can you uh, chat with my kid? He's going off to college, and I'd like him to tell you a little bit about it. So he's sitting across the desk, and <laughs> I tell him about this great idea I have, and I'd let me show you. And <laughs> I couldn't find my cards. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, But you, you abided by that card system. Yes. For your for your whole career. Yes. Now, did you come to up this, with that? To this, to this day. You still do? To this day. Wow. Now, I'm a little bit lax on it some days, and fortunately, I've got Max who pudges me, and he says, yeah. hey, get this done. But the compartmentalizing, so you had the personal, you had the business, and then you might have had growth or... Yep. Now, there were three cards, one for business, one for personal, and a third for the investment targets I want to look got at. Got it. So that one might be different for yeah. myself at Turning Point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So everybody... Uh, I encourage everybody to do this, and, and when you uh, accumulate those cards every Monday morning, when you look at the office, put the others in the drawer, and then you just work, work through them. Yes. The other thing that was helpful is I kept a time log like a lawyer might, and it had five-minute increments. And every time I changed behavior, I'd, I'd make an entry. 7.45, or write the, arrive at the office. Uh, 7.50, read the Wall Street Journal. 7. Uh, you know, six, uh, eight o'clock, took a call from my golf pal. And, you know, kind of, okay, that was a 50-minute call. 
and then took a call from a client. So at the end of the day, I put a, a, a red line next to everything that wasn't key to my success. I only have to do two things to succeed, attract and hold clients and make them money. Yeah. And everything that wasn't one of those was red. Going to the bathroom, taking the call for my golf pal, going to lunch. And then at the end of the day, I'd also put blue, that is everything that was uh, oriented toward client work, and green that was making money for them. And then the wow. success came as we try to reduce the blue. Where, uh, you know, see a chief executive officer would just call me up and say, why is that stock down two points you just bought a week ago? And I tell them, look, if I spend time with you, I can't be making money for you. So the whole idea is how much green can I get on that? And, yeah. and, and that's just making money for people. And then at the end of the day, I put the most success, you know, what's the most things I accomplish? Because there's a difference between efficient and being effective. Wow. There's some days I'm incredibly efficient, call after call, the chief executive officer, the research, it was just so, and then at the end of the day, what did I accomplish? wasn't much there's other days where I caught myself staring out the window or chatting with my golf pal highly inefficient but that's the day I maybe bought a hundred thousand shares of a stock that's gonna go up or I landed a three million dollar client so always remember you want to strive for effectiveness over efficiency so but how, how are but did you ever find a correlation between the better days with more green and better long-term oh, yeah. oh, success oh, definitely over time there was oh, that oh, moving oh, average yes Definitely, the more green I got on there and the less red. I had it uh, set up where I'd say to my secretary, my assistant, I'm gonna head for lunch. She would call over to the drugstore where I'd have waiting for me when I got there is a nice, great, juicy hamburger and a, and a triple thick shake. And I could scarf that down, be back at my desk in 17 minutes. Wow, so the efficiency cost over time. Yes, so yes. talk about the driver, Foster. Because you always had a driver, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, one day I, I timed myself driving into work and driving back. It was 22 minutes each way. That's 44 minutes. If I work 200 days a year, what is that, 80,000 minutes? Divide that by, by an eight-hour day. How many days did I pick up by hiring a driver? And it could be a, a fellow, a one guy was uh, working a lab in his prior career for DuPont. Another fellow sold his uh, furniture company. Another one was a, a policeman. And it gave them a great source of excitement because they were dealing with the young people in our staff and they loved it. And you know, the, uh, who, who's the guy, the Jew, Jewish guy, Malamides or something, mm -hmm. talked about charity. And charity is when you give to somebody and both are known. And then it improves when the donor is uh, not known and then when the recipient's not known. And what is the ultimate sense of charity that he spelled out? Giving someone a job. Wow. And, and so here, here these guys uh, were loving the work they're doing. And I captured all that time. I have a phone in my van that they drive me. And that also, but in, in, in Wilmington, where I grew up, is considered sort of, you know, show-offy because people didn't think it was a cool idea for this young guy to have a driver. But it helped me succeed, and, and I just dealt with it. So you have to have a certain amount of ability to, to do what's right and what will help you and your clients or whoever you're trying to serve and say, okay, let people criticize me for having a driver. So in today's time, uh, on the business side of it, there's a lot of young people that struggle separating the business from personal with the yeah. smartphone always in their pocket. Using those principles, Foster, what advice would you give? And I'm actually gonna take whatever advice because <laughs> it seems as if back when you were building your business, there was what happens in work is the car to the office, office to the car, and then there might have been a separation between what then happens at home. Is that generally correct? Well, I would tell my team, 
hey, hey, uh, Tom, you've got a wife and four kids waiting for you for dinner. And if you can't get it out of here by five o'clock and get and have dinner with them, you're either uh, you're not up to this job or you're not working smart or not helping. And let's figure out what it is. So we created a family type structure and we, we discourage workaholism. Yeah, and so I, with, I, I, that's that's what I do. Yeah, with all of <laughs> With all these efficiencies that we built out, we 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 showed how people could do eight hours work in four hours. I mean, with the keeping the time log, with keeping the priorities square sure. away, with staying off the telephone. I would never uh, 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 dial my secretary, who's in the next office, say, "Hey, Deb, I need a I need a flight to Atlanta on Friday." And she's saying, "Well, it's Wednesday, so okay." In the meantime, she's been talking to you and say, "Hey, Charlie, hang on, I got a buzz coming in from Foster. I'll call you back." She takes my message, calls back, you're down the hallway someplace. But instead, I would just scribble out on a piece of paper, fax, put it in my fax machine. It pops up on her and she says, oh, well, I can deal with that later. And she continues the conversation with you. Yeah. So, so a lot of those things created the opportunity to separate. Uh, and I tell my folks, you know, it's like a prize ring. Coming in in the morning, when you hit that, you're in a prize ring fighting or you're in a doctor's emergency room and you have to image the intensity of what you have to execute your mission is you got a patient that just came in from a car accident. He's not breathing his he's not breathing and he's bleeding. So that's the kind of intensity that we developed yes. in the office environment. And I always love to hire people that walked fast. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Those that sauntered through the office, I wasn't so proud. But then at, that at the end of the day, when you're ready home, you then have time to spend with, with golf or family. And one of the things, too, I learned along the way, every day, Charlie, you have to have a rep. What's a rep? I, I, I know what a <laughs> You have to have relational connection. Yep. You've got to have exercise, yep. and you have to have productivity. That's it. One day I got up early, I couldn't sleep, I, and I go into my, I go into my uh, office and I still have my bathrobe on, and I worked, you cannot believe it, I got three days work done. But it's four o'clock in the afternoon, and it was miserable. I should have been thrilled with all the work I accomplished. I didn't have any contact with other people, I didn't exercise, and so it suddenly hit me, okay, exercise every day. Today my wife and I had an hour walk. Every morning we have an hour walk, heart rate gets up to 115, 120. Uh, and and then uh, exercise is, is is that's the cure there, and then going to lunch with somebody or just having interaction with people. I thrive on on people. Yes. But I have to tell you, Charlie, this quarantine thing, I've made more money gambling than ever in my history because all my pals they watch this TV, they don't know their replays. So you, <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, so maybe that was one of the keys to your stump getting. That's <laughs> So, so Foster, uh, what other wisdom do you have for young leaders right now that are entering the business world, entering the job market or college? You've taught me so much through all these business practices, but also yeah. just generally. Um, well, I think the number one thing I would tell every young person is get involved in a weekly Bible study. With mm. If you're a young woman with other women who are older, and, and, and if you're a young guy with older wisdom guys. Because if you look at the, the Bible, it's the operator's manual for the human machine. Yeah. Always consider other people more important yourself. In Philippians 4.8, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, dwell on these things. It's God's uh, encouragement to be positive thinker. Yes. And in all things be grateful. One of my least favorite verses is in James. Consider pure joy, my brethren, when various adversities enter your life, because it'll build your endurance and complete your faith. You'll be complete and whole, lacking nothing. Think of how powerful it is. Never return evil for evil. Or, or the, the verse about forgiveness. 
the guy goes in and, 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 and the judge uh, frees him of, let's say, a $100 debt and he, or a million dollar debt. Okay, you're free. And he goes out in the quarter and some guy owes him 50 bucks and he takes him by a lapel and says, I want my money. And, and the whole notion of uh, forgiving seven times, Jesus says, Seven no, times, se 77 seven, times, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, seven times 70. So I, I would think that the things that changed the whole direction of my life is when I realized the wisdom that was in there and friends who were having struggles and then suddenly I saw a 180 degree turnaround and, and they just, uh, uh, they, they convinced me that this is a, a blueprint for success. My favorite Foster Freeze Bible verse story, and I might, <laughs> I might fumble this, is when you said you were running for office in Wyoming and you were talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and, of course, self-control. Yeah, 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 so you yeah. explained to the audience, you said, here's what self-control is. <laughs> well, it, it never, it, I, I don't know why it suddenly hit me, self-control, self-control, what's that all about? Suddenly I realized no longer can I say, Lynn, my wife, you made me angry because then she's in control. That's right. So this verse suddenly gave me a real gift that I decide if I'm going to be angry I decide if I'm going to be embarrassed, and I've had some real embarrassing things happen to me, which I say, okay, so what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a wonderful gift, again, comes from the, the Bible study. And then you completed it by saying, no matter what this audience says to me, it will not make me upset. And then someone stands up in the back <laughs> of the room and says, Foster, you're a liberal. You say, now that offends me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's wonderful not to be offended. It's, it's a real joy. You know, I just think once we get in line with our purpose, and, and again, these Bible studies help us understand, mm. we're not here to be become millionaires and billionaires. We're, we're here to be a channel of God's love to others, to be his hands and feet in a hurting world, and to be a blessing to every person you put in our path. I mean, if you look at every day, if you exude that mission, how can you not be joyful and purposeful? And yeah. I just, it's, it's so exciting. Well, and so, so Foster, there's, um, any other advice you had? You said you had one thing. You said Bible study. Anything else you'd particularly zero in on for students that really benefited you or wisdom that you got from, from well, being in leadership? Well, well this sounds, sounds kind of silly, and that is uh, make your bed in the morning. And I always, before I leave uh, my home, my, air, my work area, I make sure everything is cleaned up. I only have one piece of paper on my desk at a time, and I have everything else filed down below. Uh, and uh, it was really funny. One of my teammates was m more into clutter. And one day he grabs, he went through his cleaned off his desk and he came up with his paper. Oh, I'm supposed to be in Dallas. And he looks at it and he says, from a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so so by, by making, by that expression, make your bed, is if you can start off with a sense of orderliness and tidiness, uh, it, it gives you a, a feeling that, that uh, you know, God wants us to, to be that way. He doesn't yeah. want us to be slobbing. And I also think, Foster, fo um, God brings order out of chaos. Yeah, yeah exactly. That That's our it. natural condition is actually a chaotic one. Yep. That God gave us the Ten Commandments not because he wanted to deprive us from yep. human flourishing, but because they're actually guidelines to allow us to accomplish yep. Yep. human suffering, uh, e the human flourishing. That. E each one of those commandments is like a red flag in a field that's marking a mine. That's exactly right. Because if you choose to sin, you'll choose to suffer. Yeah, yeah. So if you yeah. choose to violate one of those ten. Well, I love the definition of sin. It should be spelled small s, capital I, small n. And sin is really eye trouble. Mm. My needs, my rights, my feelings, my expectations. 
So uh, it, it, again, if you go there, thou shalt not covet. Thy man, your maid, man's service, maid service, sheep, whatever that whole thing, yes. not covet. Now, envy is embedded in our whole government process, in our yes. culture. Yes. Now, envy is perfectly acceptable. Mm -hmm. Well, what's very interesting about not coveting in the Ten Commandments, and I could be incorrect here, but it's one of the only commandments, it is the only commandment, I believe, that deals with thinking and deals with feeling. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. other nine are action-based. That's I never realized that. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. So, And then Jesus went even further yeah. by, by you know, building out, not just not murdering, but not having contempt for another yeah. individual. Well, I mean, dealing with adversity, I mean, just think how that has changed my life. When I think what they did to him, and they and and then he said, "For our Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Mm. I can now do that to every person that's dumping on me. Yes, I mean I've had some people say the nastiest things about me, lie about me. They just don't know. Yes, they just don't yes. know. And that sort of patience and empathy is it, the Christian ethic is unprecedented in that capacity. Well, in fact, Thomas Jefferson everyone thought was a deist, and he didn't really have. Uh, much thought mm -hmm. about Christianity, and I just found a statement that Bill Fetter put out. In He's American amazing. Minute. Yeah, everybody he helps subscribe. me out with uh, people say, "Charlie, where do you get this amazing historical I insight?" I say, <laughs> "Bill Fetter, AmericanMinute.com." Yeah. Oh, every that's another piece of advice. Everybody should sign oh, up. Oh, he has taught Minute. me more about the world. Yeah, and he put a statement in there about uh, 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 Jefferson saying, "I've never seen any other moral value or system that is more endearing, more just all the." accolades he could give to all the things that yes. Jesus taught. That's right. But Charlie, a lot of people don't know that you are an Eagle Scout and, and you, I'll, I'll never re, re forget how important this is because as being an Eagle Scout, you have to pass your first aid merit badge. And I'm out hunting in the field <laughs> Jeez, and I, co I come out of the field and Charlie looks at me and somehow a pellet has conquered the field. We don't know where it, came. it hit there and there's some blood trying to ooze down my cheek. Charlie instantly takes off his belt, put a tourniquet around my neck, saved my life. <laughs> he's, he's something. Was, uh, I made that up. No, well, I'll tell you, Foster, I've, I've had some great outdoor adventures with Foster. I've caught a, uh, a very big halibut. Yeah, massive. Yeah. It was just amazing. But that was with Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, Donald Trump Jr. and, 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 uh, and Christy Noem and Charlie Hurt and we had 20 people of- That was of, the most amazing trip. Yeah. It, it's it, such a blessing. The people that met each other and- uh, Those sit, relationships are still forged for a lifetime. Yeah, and, and to be the, see the topography, the, the, the outcroppings of rock and the ocean and just to be out in the ocean. It was only three days, but- That's right, it felt like an entire summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Foster, I completely agree with you when you talk about the, the Christian ethic and the greatest book ever to exist in the history of the world, the Bible, where it doesn't get this, it doesn't get the platform that I think it's deserved in our yeah, country. Yeah. And um, growing up when you grew up, the Bible was re revered much more in American society. Yeah. Is this a focus of yours to try to get more people to understand the yeah, Bible? I, I think our nation uh, is dependent on how we get restoration of those values on which our, our, our country was founded. Yes. We were founded on those values. And now we have secularism which is pushing that out of the public square. And people think, well, you know, we should have no religion. There's no such thing as no religion. When people are described, and, 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 and Obama has said it, and even uh, 
the the guy at Saddleback, uh, the famous Rick pastor, Warren. Rick Warren. He said people with no religion. That that's an inaccurate statement. Everybody has some view of how the world is functioning. Yes, they have an epistemological argument, ontological view. You have to. And what flows from that? Now, from from a Christian perspective, I know I have value because God loves me. I mean, from my my mom, eighth grade education every night would say these little prayers or the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. Well, you get that inculcated into, you you have that as a self-esteem issue. Whereas other people who are secular, how do they get their self-esteem? Power? prestige, status, tyranny, wealth. And so they will do all kinds of things to maintain that power. Mm. And, and because that's where their self-esteem comes from. If they don't have power or wealth. That's so well said. Whereas I can, you know, I know that there are people who are carrying bedpans in nursing homes who have high self-esteem because they know they're do, doing something to serve others and, and they're in, in sync with what God wants them to be. Yes. And that, that is the true way to live a fulfilling life, which really y- a lot of young people struggle to find. Foster, I, again, everyone, I encourage you to go to fosterfreeze.com to support the effort that we f- began on yeah. one bill, one subject. I want to close, Foster, talking about the health care transparency and the hospital yeah. transparency. You have led this effort as well with our dear friend Cynthia Fisher. Yep. Can you speak about this? Because I'm equally as passionate about that. Yes. And, and again, we have two bills that are in, introduced. Uh, Senator Bill Cassidy introduced, uh, not for remember, 3818. Well, he's got a bill in the Senate. About health care transparency. Health care transparency. And, and then Mike uh, Gallagher has one in the House. And basically it says simply this. In fact, Harry Reid told me you'll never get a one-line bill. But we basically have this one-line bill. Quote, all providers of health care products and services to the public are required to disclose cash prices on the internet at point of sale, period, close quote. Now, that's not going to solve every problem, but it's, it's going to create a, a more of a competitive consumer, uh, patient-driven uh, effort where people can decide, you know, what, I, what do I have to pay for that? And in fact, GoodRx, I think, is a website that already does this in terms of, uh, of yes. prescription prices. But you can find the difference uh, between uh, $1,100 and uh, $11,000 on just delivery of a baby on room charges. Really? No, yeah, and this was on the website, patientsusa.com. Yeah. Uh, uh, you will find that little story that Yale uh, Yale Medical Society did a study. I personally had a a blood clot a couple years ago behind my knee, and they told me you have to have this uh, test, go to the hospital. I called up and they said it's $146, but we'll give you to 73 if you pay cash. I got that same test one mile away from that hospital for not 73 but for 13. really yes and people have no clue the difference between magnetic rem- magnetic resonance imaging machines mris is is the cost that can vary between a couple hundred dollars and and over a thousand well foster what's so important about that is i recently had an emergency room visit about a year ago a little over and I was asking what things were costing, and no one knew. No. There's no know. price system, and no. therefore you don't have a market. Yeah. Well, the doctors, that they could care less. They're going to take care of you, and it's the insurance company and the hospitals that 
you you cannot believe what some of these hospital administrators uh, make. I, I I hesitate to say who this was because I have not verified it yet. But I'm told there's one chief executive officer, CEO, makes twenty three million a year. A year. Yeah. No, I have not verified that. But maybe you should go check what what the and guy. So this makes. would require hospitals to basically have a menu of pricing public yes. for well, public consumption. Well, uh, Rick Scott. Who's great? He's governor of former Florida governor of Florida, time, yeah. and now he's senator. But he was the chief executive officer of uh, uh, Health Corporation mm -hmm. of America, Hospital, yep. Corporation, Hospital Corporation of America. And when he started a little uh, chain of clinics in Florida, you'd go in and it'd be like a Starbucks menu: how much for a flu shot, how much for this, how much for that. And uh, I, I believe he's one of the real proponents of why don't we let people see what what something costs you could do that every place you go you know what cars cost you know what uh, your oranges cost your apples cost that's right why not what what does it cost for all these issues now getting back to the one line bill i just talked about it's different than what uh president trump has put out in terms of transparency because what he wanted to have transparent is the the rates between uh, a hospital and an insurance company Got it. And that's going to be resisted because do we have a right to get into the, under the skirts of these private companies? And once we know that, what good does that do us? Sure. And then the other thing that Alex Azar, well, I, I visited with him and he said, I'm 100% for transparency. But he went to the approach of requiring uh, the big uh, insurance, big uh, drug companies to state what their prices are to the pharmacy. What good does that do me? Because I have to yeah. pay the pharmacy prices. Yes. In, in fact, uh, when I had this issue, uh, uh, another uh, uh, woman there who passes out the prescription said she gave a prescription. Lady went to Walmart, four dollars. Ten days wow. later, ten days later, the same prescription. The the patient went to a different pharmacy, not four dollars, forty dollars. How is that possible? That kind of it, it's because there's people don't ask. And, and plus, a lot of it's covered by insurance, so people don't Third care. Third-party payer. Right, but a lot of times people have found out that they can pay less by paying cash than putting it on their insurance plan yes. with the deductible. Yes, that's right. And so your proposal by Senator Bill Cassidy, who's a doctor, yes. would require tra real transparency. Yes. Starbucks-style menu transparency, <laughs> right, right? right? Flu exactly. shot, $71, right. whatever yes, it might be. exactly. And the lab tests. Uh, and I, I think we should encourage more cash basis paying because that would actually bring the price down, in my opinion. This is exploding. Direct provider yes. care is exploding across America. I'm where, so passionate about yeah, that. The doctors yes. are sick and tired of dealing with the insurance companies. Reimbursements and, yeah. and all that stuff. And the other phenomenon that's uh, transforming uh, health care is these uh, health sharing ministries like MediShare. Yeah. It's giving out billions of dollars. And it all started because the Obama administration gave the Mennonites a pass on not having to buy insurance because they said, look, for generations, we take care of our community. So other people learned about that. And so to be on Medicare- They share each other's bills, right? Yeah, you, you have to have a Christian lifestyle. You can be a moderate drinker, but you have to have a Christian lifestyle. I have a friend who's a Jewish guy and said, I just got my bill from my insurance company. They're gonna charge me, I think he said $22,000 with a $9,000 deductible. I'm self-employed as a musician. How am I, after taxes, gonna pay $31,000? So I, I told him about this and he found one I think was called maybe uh, Trinity or, or uh, Solidarity is the one my Catholic friend uses. Uh, Liberty, as Liberty share, I believe. And he uh, went from that price I just described to like 600 a month. Wow. Now he said there is a slow pay, but 
I've saved enough money with my normal premium. I can wait a few months to get my sure. reimbursement. And these kind of innovative ideas are exactly what we should be embracing, not just the yeah, yeah. Medicare for all nonsense of the left. Well, also, I, I, uh, uh, Rick Santorum is probably one of the guys I revere, like yeah. uh, I respect you. And, and he you. is now working to embed more in our system telemedicine. Which be is so, it's so innovative. And, and in, in the coronavirus, it's become very applicable. Yes. And, and so, uh, you know, you, with the Zoom capability, people can look and see, well, th this, this, uh, this bump you have, I wouldn't worry about it, or here's some salve, or look at the rash, whatever. So you can do it. Now, those, those doctors that don't want to do it don't have to do it. That's what's so great about having the the freedom to do it. Though, yes, yes, yes. I mean, what is so special about America is the freedom to come up with different solutions. Look, look what happened when they they uh, disbanded AT and T's monopoly. Can uh, does anybody believe that if that would have stayed in place, that we'd have these iPhones mm. and all the? Do you think? It's hard to it's hard to see. I mean, it's it actually created more competition and more entrepreneurs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, Foster, so again, it's one bill, one subject. They can also go to PatienceUSA.com. Yeah, right? PatienceUSA.com is all providers of health care products and services to the public are required to pay cash to uh, pay. pay uh, let me start off. All providers of health care products and services to the public are re required to disclose cash on the internet or point of sale. That's on PatienceUSA.com, and so you can contact your legislators on that get them to sign up behind that we've kind of left it in the in the window uh, in the, in the back end here while we push one bill one subject which is our main focus which gets back again remember my three by five cards that's right the second card is medical transparency but right now it's one bill one subject. one bill one one subject and that's the top, top card, card. For us here too so foster we have to close this podcast with you telling us your best joke oh my gosh oh my gosh well, maybe I could tell the the one about the a woman who's caught for speeding. Oh boy, ma'am, uh, you're a speeding officer. So yeah, I know you're doing seventy miles an hour in a forty miles zone. Yeah, I know. Let me see your license. Don't have a license. I'm legally blind. What? Let me see your registration. Uh, I stole the car. You stole the car from whom? Didn't ask the guy's name. I murdered him. Shopping up through the trunk. Oh, I better call my supervisor. Shows up with his hand on the gun. Ma'am, pop the trunk. Nothing but a spare tire in there. Let me see your registration. It's perfectly fine. Your license, that was all in order. Ma'am, my officer told me you didn't have a license, that you're legally blind, that you stole the car, you murdered a guy, you chopped him up, you threw him in the trunk. Yeah. I bet he also told you I was speeding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> that's good. Nick, tell the one about the horse. That's a good lesson, too. Oh, yeah, the, about the young guy was uh, stuck in the mud in That's California. That's the one, yeah. Yep. And this is, uh, this is what we've used this. Uh, it's actually a great lesson. It is, it is. This fellow runs his uh, uh, sports car in the mud after a big rain out in West Texas and buries his car hub, yeah, up to the hubcap in deep mud. Gets a hold of a farmer, brings his horse over. Homer's got a hoof this big, hooks him up on the front bumper. Farmer says, pull, uh, uh, pull Jimmy, done nothing. Pull Eddie, nothing. Pull Tommy, nothing. Pull Homer, pulls him out effortlessly. He didn't even sweat. And the young kid says, why do you have to call your horse four names before he'll do anything? Well, you see, son, Homer's blind. If he thought he's the only one pulling, he wouldn't give a dang. <laughs> That's a good lesson, though. <laughs> it is. Oh, another, do you have time for another? Yes. Okay, this is Mike Huckabee gave a sermon 
at uh, Cowboy Christmas, the, the National Finals Rodeo. I was it's, there when he did this. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a 10-day uh, event, so every it always has a Sunday. So he's giving a sermon. He talks about when he was 11 years old, he was a catcher on a little league uh, team in Arkansas, and in these little towns, all the little league games were broadcast play-by-play. One day he breaks his finger as a catcher, and the owner of the station says, well, go up in the booth and do the local co- color. So he gets up there and says, they're coming to bat now, Charlie Kirk, second base, 42 RBIs, batting 400, did a great job. So one day, the, the announcer gets sick. The owner says, oh, go ahead, try to call the game. He called the game so well, the owner says, look, when you get to be 14, the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, will allow us to hire you, which he did. And how can he said in that sermon, that launched my radio career, my, my a TV career, my governorship, the whole thing. And here's his punchline. And this is a powerful punchline, I think. Sometimes your detour is your destiny. I like that. And I told all my guys, you're going to run into walls sometimes in life. When you run into a wall, you jump over it. If you can't jump over it, you run around the end of it. Mm-hmm. If you can't run around the end of it, tunnel under it. Now, if none of that works, don't even try to knock it down. But figure out, maybe that's the way of God telling you he wants you to go a little different direction. So you wow. have to have the discernment as to know this whole idea, well, you know, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. You have to have some wisdom sometimes when when the messages change direction there's so many uh phds in nuclear science sitting in their rooms because there's no jobs and what does phd stand for uh, i forgot (laughs) i know he'd catch me see no i'm kidding of course what is this stand for i don't know something doctorate something honorary doctorate yeah right yeah professorial maybe honorary doctorate or something yeah yeah oh charlie i'm giving you a hard time here i I love it <laughs> but um, Foster, so then go to fosterfreeze.com, patience, patience USA. Any clo- any other closing fo- thoughts, Foster? Uh, well, uh, make your bed. Make your bed. Read the Bible. But Foster, I just want to say thank you on behalf of Turning Point USA and all the lives you've impacted and touched. It's really incredible. Well, so, it's a joy. It's a joy to do it. It's a lot better than making an extra million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. One bill, one subject, everybody. We are passionately behind it. This can make a big difference for our country. So let's do it. Great. Go for it. God bless. God bless. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And please email me, freedom at charliekirk.com. Freedom at charliekirk.com. Get involved with Turning Point USA. Go to tpusa.com right now. Start a chapter. Chip in some money if you can. Get involved. Now is the time to fight for freedom and liberty. Turning Point USA is on 2,000 high school and college campuses across the country. We play offense with a sense of urgency to win America's culture war. We have the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world. Let's fight and defend it. TPUSA.com. TPUSA.com. And finally, type in Charlie Kirk Show, your podcast provider. Hit subscribe and leave a five-star review. I want to shout out Ryan, Danielle, Larry, Mary, those uh, rhyme, and Herbert. You five got the signed MAGA Doctrine copies from a previous episode. And now we're going to give away five more. Email me, freedom at charliekirk.com, and just say Foster Freeze in all caps. Or I listen to the Foster Freeze episode. I'll shoot you one. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, And deep sip in. 
and deep satisfaction out. Ah. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.